Good morning, everyone. I'm Playbook co-author Ryan Lizza. It's Thursday, August 10th. Here's what's driving the day. First, some big 2024 primary news as Republican candidates descend on Iowa for the state fair. Trump once again is declining to commit to the RNC's debate requirement that says candidates must pledge to support the eventual nominee. He told Newsmax yesterday, why would I sign it? Adding, I can name three or four people that I wouldn't support for president, so right there, there's a problem. Trump did name-check a few candidates that he liked, including Tim Scott and Vivek Ramaswamy, who he said have been, quote, very nice. Meanwhile, Chris Christie fired back at Trump's reported crude remarks about the former New Jersey governor's weight. Look, Christie said, I'll make it real easy for Donald Trump. You're such a big guy, such a tough guy, so full of it. You want me? I'll be on the stage in Milwaukee two weeks from tonight, Christie told Fox News' Paul Steinhauser, referencing the first debate. I'll be here waiting for you, Christie said. You be there, I'll be there. Now, Trump will be going to the Iowa State Fair, even if he's hedging on whether he'll be at the debate. And he's bringing along a few people. The Des Moines Register reports that nine Republican representatives from the state of Florida who have all endorsed Donald Trump will be traveling with him to the Iowa State Fair and hanging with him throughout the day. The trolling here, of course, is that those nine Florida lawmakers did not endorse their own governor, Ron DeSantis, who once served in the House himself. But Trump, like Christie, is not going to be participating in either the Des Moines Register's famous political soapbox or in an interview series with Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds, with whom Trump has an ongoing feud. Also today, the results on Tuesday in Ohio, where voters overwhelmingly rejected a proposal to make it more difficult to amend the Constitution, a vote that was a proxy for the debate over abortion, has abortion rights activists looking for new states to target. Joining me to discuss what Tuesday's vote means for the rest of the country is friend of the pod and state politics reporter, Zach Montalaro. Zach, let's start with the basics about what happened in Ohio Tuesday and how it was similar or different from other post-Dobbs referenda around the country. Yeah, so what happened on Tuesday was anti-abortion groups suffered a pretty serious defeat in Ohio, uh, but this was very much a proxy war. This ballot initiative wasn't actually about abortion. Everyone just kind of knew it was kind of about abortion. What this was, was a ballot initiative that would have made future constitutional amendments in Ohio harder to pass. It would have raised the threshold to pass from 50 to 60%, and it would have made it harder to qualify in the first place. The reason why this turned into a proxy war over abortion is that coming up in November, is a ballot initiative actually looking to codify abortion protections in the Ohio state constitution. So with all that background, uh, pro-abortion right groups try to defeat the ballot initiative on Tuesday, anti-abortion groups try to pass it, and it was defeated fairly soundly. It lost by 14 points. You know, this isn't an exactly red to blue issue, but Republicans supported it, Democrats opposed it, uh, and Democrats won here. So, all right, so just to follow up on that last thing you said, what are the big takeaways here? Because um, surely there must have been some Republicans or conservatives who thought that raising this threshold, while maybe uh, would be helpful on this one single issue, um, was not a, a good idea uh, in, in general. How different is it when a ballot initiative has, has this sort of electoral process context rather than a straight up or down vote? on abortion. Is there any 
any insights we can glean from the results compared to uh, previous referenda? Yeah, I mean, I this is one of these like kind of the first process referendas that we've seen. You know, it, it's not been unusual for Republicans, and I'm generalizing here, but not been unusual for Republicans to make it harder to pass ballot initiatives recently. Uh, we first saw this with kind of the wave of, um, you know, Medicare and Medicaid expansion that was very popular with ballot initiatives. We're seeing it now with many states considering abortion rights, ballot initiatives. Uh, so when these process ballot initiatives become about abortion rights, so far it looks like the pro-abortion right groups will win. Uh, and it really showed to how big of a deal abortion rights remains in the heads of voters if you needed another sign of this. This ballot initiative, which doesn't actually mention it, still attracted almost midterm level turnout. Wow. Turnout in Ohio approached the 2014 That's amazing. Midterms, right? So not a big midterm turnout. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, it, so it's still very top of mind for voters. And it's one of those issues that every time abortion either directly or in this case indirectly has come up for a ballot measure since the fall of Roe, just about every time the pro-abortion rights forces have won. Zach, let's talk about the future. What are the next battlegrounds on this issue? Where are we going to see statewide uh, initiatives that are either straight up or down votes on uh abortion rights or more of these proxy fights over process that are that everyone agrees are about abortion where where are those battlegrounds next fall yeah so of course first and foremost we have ohio they actually have to vote on the abortion rights uh, constitutional amendment and that's coming up in november but beyond that it's still a little unclear because things have to qualify but this could be on the ballot in several very important states in 2024 i think probably first and foremost arizona after the fall of Roe, or I guess more specifically, after our great colleagues Josh Gerstein and Alex Ward reported on the draft opinion, there was really a drive in the midterms in 2022 to try to get a ballot initiative to codify abortion rights in Arizona on the midterm ballot. Uh, that came up short. They collected about 175,000 signatures over two months, which is incredibly fast, but they needed to double that. Uh, so now, the, first and foremost, they're going to try again in Arizona. Beyond Arizona, too, Florida, you know, watch out for Florida. That's been a state that's been elusive for Democrats, we'll say, statewide, but they're looking to get a push there. And others, too, you know, um, our great healthcare team has been all over this. But I think what's really interesting is, you know, where this could possibly pop up in red states. We saw some red state ones since the fall of Roe, and I'm thinking Kansas most specifically, that the pro-abortion right groups won. So if do we start seeing this pop up in red states? You know, that's how... A lot of healthcare expansion happened in this country. It wasn't through the legislature. It was through popularly passed ballot initiatives. Uh, so I'll be interested to see what red states uh, potentially take this up this or next year. Reminds me a little bit of 2004 when the Bush White House, with the insight of Karl Rove, pushed same-sex marriage amendments in a number of swing states because they thought it would juice Republican turnout. And you know they were probably right about that. Um, Zach, thank you very much. Always good to have you, Ryan. And for your schedule today, the House and the Senate are out. President Biden is in Salt Lake City, where he will, among other things, deliver remarks on the one-year anniversary of the passage of the PACT Act, which increased funding for expanded benefits and services for veterans exposed to toxic substances. I'm Ryan Lizza. Thanks for listening.